coming in as Bloom. Millendike centered it. Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We are underway this hour. Welcome to the Scotiabank Saddledome and the Hot Stove Lounge. Pat, Wes, and the Sports Drive's underway. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe. Now just $1450 or explore the full line of safes at calgarylockandsafe.com. Hello, Wes. It's game day. Game day. And it matters. Woo. It's not um, the eight game days, or I guess there were seven game days. It's not those. These, uh, This one matters. The home opener goes Wednesday night. Flames and the Winnipeg Jets uh, were currently sitting at zero of 82 games played for the Calgary Flames. What, uh, what season number is this for you? Uh, this will be season 11. 11, 12 uh, hosting games. Season 12 hosting games. And then you add like, a, I think it's like season 15 or 16 doing post-game calls. So, yeah, but 12 hosting games will be for this year. I'm still only 26 years old. so It's impressive. <laughs> I wish. I Boy wish I prodigy, Pat Steinberg. Started at 14. On the dials. I mean... He could have fooled a lot of people the way I looked back then. I could have been 14. But, no, yeah, season 12 of uh, hosting games full-time, which is uh, every single year uh, an absolute um, an absolute privilege. So I'm happy. I'm happy we're back for another year. Flames talk back for another season with Wes and with Aaron. Um, and and let's let's get into it. You ready to do some predictions? I'm curious. Text lines open. Uh, jump in at 960, 960 if you want to uh, do some predictions with us. Uh, you can tell us how ridiculous we sound. You can tell us if we're right, if we're wrong. Uh, but uh, let's get to it and uh, let's see how we do on some of these predictions. Let's do it. Are the Flames a playoff team? And if so, where do they finish? I'm gonna say yes. And I think I'd peg them seventh in the Western Conference, the first wild card spot. You? I have them as a playoff team, and I'm going to put them third in the Pacific Division. I think Vegas and Edmonton have got the top two spots locked up in some form or another. Um, but I'm not a. I, I think the LA Kings will. We'll talk to our Pacific Division insider Jonathan Davis later this hour, but. I really feel like the Kings are poised for a step back, and maybe I shouldn't be thinking that way. And I know that they have put up triple digits in points the last three seasons, but I think their goaltending has taken a step back. And I know they've added Pierre-Luc Dubois, but I think their depth has taken a step back. And I don't believe in PLD, the consistent difference maker. So, yeah, I, I think the and, – and, I think that they are poised to be overtaken by somebody, whether it's Calgary, whether it's Seattle, whether it's Vancouver. I've got no worries about where Edmonton or Vegas sit in this regular season. I think that they are Pacific Division playoff teams all day, but I've got Calgary as the number three team in the Pacific this year. It, it's funny. you know, If you're just arriving on uh, vacation from Australia and, and listening in the back of your Uber, you're probably thinking these guys could not be less on the same page. One is saying third and the other is saying seventh. Well, I think 
the difference between the first wild card and as you it's say, true. Pat, the that last spot in the Pacific, I think is gonna come right down to it. I, I think we're gonna be talking about a Calgary Flames team that's playoff sort of chances and, and certainly playoff position is probably not sealed until the last seven to ten days of the season. And I think that the Pacific's going to be pretty close, especially near the bottom. I could see Vegas and I could see Edmonton kind of gaining some separation, but I think that the rest of the Pacific's going to be really, really close. With, yep. I, I, I think Seattle will still be competitive. I think L.A. will obviously be competitive. I'm not as big a Vancouver believer as, as maybe some are, but I do think that they'll be a difficult out a lot of nights as well. Yeah, and I agree with you. That, you know, the one thing about Vancouver is they're having the same conversations there that we're having here. You know, what else could have gone wrong last season? That That's the way it's being looked at in Vancouver and here in Calgary. And, and I think in both cases, they're right. You know, what, what more could have possibly gone sideways last season? It makes both teams, I think, candidates to to be bouncing back and to be right in the fight for those playoff spots. Okay, so then who else do you have in the Pacific Division making the playoffs? We both have Vegas. We both have Edmonton. Who else do you have making the playoffs out of the Pacific? Calgary and Seattle. Okay. Sorry, Calgary and Los Angeles. I'm really on the fence about Seattle. Okay. Yeah, I've... Bounce back and forth between four and five Pacific Division playoff teams. I, I think I'm gonna say four. I could see the Seattle Kraken certainly getting in, but I, I'm not that bullish on them. I, I think there could be a step back. Right I'm, there. I'm four and four as well. I've got Vegas, Edmonton. I've got Los Angeles as a wild card, and I've got Calgary as the third team in the Pacific. I think Seattle will be competitive. I don't think they're going to be a bad team, but I could see them taking a step back this year. And then I've got four from the Central. I've got Colorado. I've got Dallas. I've got Winnipeg. And then I've got one of the other teams. I don't know which one it's going to be, but I think Minnesota and I think Nashville and I even think St. Louis battling for that final playoff spot. And and it's probably a wild card spot, but I've got four from from each conference getting in, uh, each division rather, and I've got four from the Pacific. So LA, Calgary, Edmonton, Vegas are my four playoff teams from the Pacific. Yeah, and I think that makes perfect sense because it's going to be it's going to be difficult to rack up points in the Pacific because of how many really similar teams there are in the middle, right? The the Calgary Flames, the Seattle Kraken, the Los Angeles Kings, the Vancouver Canucks. Like nobody is going to just pile up points because you're picking on anybody in in that sense. Yes, the Anaheim Ducks and, and San Jose Sharks should be easier outs this year, but it's going to be really hard for a bunch of Pacific teams to pile up points by the very nature of what the schedule looks like. And so four and four, I think, with the Seattle Kraken kind of in the crying hole makes a lot of sense. Um. Okay, now for some Flames-specific ones. Who's their leading scorer this season? Who leads the team in points this year? Why don't you go first on this one? Okay, I've gone I've gone back and forth on a couple of these, but I I'm expecting Jonathan Huberdeau to 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 return to his career norms for points, which is kind of either side of point per game. 
Let's say that he plays 78 games this year. I think he's in the 80 to 82 point range. I don't think we're seeing 115 out of Huberdeau, but I think him getting back to being a 75 plus point player is reasonable. And I think on this group, that'll lead the team. So I've got Huberdeau returning to career norms and leading the team in scoring. Yeah, and I went back and forth on this one too. I I do think that Nazem Kadri is going to have a really good season, and and I base that on how he's looked in the exhibition, what he's told us and and myself off to the side from a scrum about just how gassed he was from the Stanley Cup run the year before, and and how that maybe explains the way his play tapered off last season, and yet as I threw this around in in my brain. With all due respect to Kadri, I think if you're predicting the Calgary Flames to be a playoff team, you have to be predicting that Jonathan Huberdeau is going to be closer to a point-per-game player. And so for that reason, while it might not be the most interesting, it's the obvious answer, I suppose, I really do think it's got to be Jonathan. I do, and I I, I think Elias Lindholm leads the team in goals. I kind of see him in the 30, 35 goal range, and and if he can do that and be in the 70-point range, I think that'll be really successful, and that's granted if Lindholm is here all year. Obviously, there are some caveats because of the uncertain nature of this roster and certain players on the roster. But, yeah, I think Huberto leading this team. And I don't think it's it's that hot a take to say that Jonathan Huberto leads this team in scoring. He's He's been a 75-point-plus player on multiple different occasions. Him being what he is, and I know people say, well, you're paying him to be 115 points. Well, that is that's fine. You can say that all you want. He's probably not a perennial 115 point player, but for him to he 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 went in three consecutive four consecutive years. He had 92 points in 82 games, 78 points in 69 games, 61 points in 55 games. Of course, that was the shortened season, and then had 115 points in 80 games. That's four straight seasons where he was well over a point per game prior to his big-time drop last year. So if he plays 78 this year based on what he is, I think we should be talking about him pacing this team and scoring. That's not... That's not as hot a take as some people seem to think it is. I know last year was bad, but the reason why it was so noticeably bad is because it was so out of character for him. Well, and and I just go back to, and I'll be repeating myself, but if you think, and, and we both do, that the Calgary Flames are a playoff team, then you're counting on a much better season from Jonathan Huberto. And to your point, you can't measure him just on the 115. That was... A legitimately historic season. He had the most assists by a left winger ever in a National Hockey League season. And yet, I'm not sure you can base it on last season, which was also historic. It was the biggest points drop-off we've ever seen from an individual player from one season to the next. The, the answer is somewhere in the middle, and I think somewhere in that 80-point range, that point-per-game range, mm-hmm. makes Jonathan Huberdeau the leading scorer for the Flames, and I think that is what they're banking on. Uh, a few texts at 960-960. This says, well, then why would you give him $10.5 million? Huberdeau doesn't hit 100 points every year. He's at Boston not worth it. Well, you give him that because there was a push to sign him from the very top after he was acquired in a trade. 
He was coming off a career year at 115 points, and he had the three well-over point-per-game years prior. But he'd never been a 100-point player before. I think Jonathan Huberdeau is more an 80-85 type range player when he's having a good year. So I don't see it as it being a bust if he doesn't get 100 points. I see it as him cashing in in a really good year and the timing working really well, especially with the trade that happened too. But I don't tie Jonathan Huberdeau and and his contract strictly to you know that 115 point season because I, I I just I don't think that's realistic I don't. It was fortuitous timing for for Jonathan Huberdeau that he just had a record setting season 115 points and the Calgary Flames because of what had happened in in the weeks and months leading up to Jonathan and Mackenzie Weger arriving here in Calgary they needed a commitment from him so they were negotiating. Not based on, we think you're going to get 115 points every year, but they're negotiating at that point with a guy who just got 115. And so that's what makes it tough. You can you can go through the different seasons, right? Mark Scheifele just got 8.5 and, and has never had over 84 points in his career. What are you paying Mark Scheifele for? That, you're probably looking more at goals there, but you, you can, my point being, you can pick out individual contracts it has so much to do with when they're being negotiated yep. and what sort of factors there are on either side. The Calgary Flames needed a commitment from Jonathan Huberdeau. They paid for it, but to expect 115 points every season because he did it once, it's just not realistic. Uh, this says don't underestimate what a contract year does. Lindholm will lead in points. Uh, this says if Huberdeau has a bad year again, it could be the worst contract in Flames history. Can can I take us off course for one second here? Of course. I love off course. I, I think it's really intriguing, and we've seen a few glimpses in the preseason. It's not going to be a regular thing, but this line that they're throwing out of Kadri, Huberdeau, and Lindholm, for the occasional shift? Yeah. I'm, oh man, I'm here for it. I don't think that they should ever do that, like, as a permanent thing. No. But every once in a while, to load up like that for a shift after some special teams or something like that, I, I, don't, I don't mind that. I, I don't mind it as kind of like, just a thing they can do to for a shift here to see if you can't catch a team off guard or if all of a sudden you've got a team that has been hemmed in and they ice the puck and they're tired and then you throw your big guns out there. We know Lindholm can play the right side. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't mind that every once in a while. I, I, I even love the glimpses of it because when we talk about a team that just couldn't score the clutch goal last season, well, if you know that you can throw that trio together and they're confident they can go out there and get you that clutch goal... That's already something you were missing last season. Uh, okay. Who is their breakout player this year? Who is the guy that were last year? There were a couple of different uh, different options for it. I think Tyler Toffoli probably was the breakout player last year, and he's no longer with the team. Who is their breakout player this year? You start. I I go Dylan Dubé. I think, I think this is the year... 
And it's not like he hasn't taken steps every single year. He went from 30 to 22 points in 51 games to 32 points in 79 games, and last year 45 points in 82 games. Uh, he's got back-to-back 18 goal seasons, and and I just think with more power play time, which I think he will get this year, with more time consistently in the top six or top nine, and, and less time getting bounced around the lineup. And and we've talked about how at times Dylan's versatility was sometimes a detriment, and that's not to say that the versatility was a bad thing, but sometimes because they knew he could play all three positions, because they knew that he could be effective in a bottom six, more checking role, or be in a bottom three or four center ice role, they could move him there. And sometimes it took him away from a stretch where he was playing well in the top six. But I like the fact that he's starting on the right side of Lindholm and Huberdeau. Historically, I've really liked him playing on a line with Lindholm. I think he's played well there. I I think him adding four or five goals and 10 or 11 assists isn't crazy. And all of a sudden, you're adding 15 points. That's a 60-point player in Dylan Dubé. So I, I, and I don't think that's out of the question. I think the skill set is there. I think the intelligence is there. I think the, the drive and commitment is there. I think the belief from this coaching staff is there. So I, I think by the end of the year, we're talking about another career year for Dylan Dubé. And I think it'll be the type of step that makes us talk about how we're, we're kind of having the, the breakout arrival year for Dylan Dubé. Dylan Dubé is the best candidate for a Calgary Flame breakout. I, I, I absolutely love the choice. I, so I won't repeat it because you did a great job of sort of encapsulating all the reasons that this could be a career best type season for Dylan Dubé. Why? You know, that perch on the first line could result in numbers we haven't seen out of him before. I'm going to go with two. And I don't know that this would constitute a breakout, but when I look down the roster at guys that I think could put up career numbers, I sort of focus in on Mackenzie Weaker. And he had 44 points a couple of years ago in Florida, so that's a really strong season by a defenseman but I I do think if I was trying to pick a guy who might nudge into career year territory just based on the points he still put up after such a slow start last season Mm -hmm. I look at Mackenzie Weaker I do think that that's possible would we call it a breakout you know an arrival type season no but when I look at guys who might nudge past what they've done previously Mackenzie Weaker is a guy I look to and I've been thinking more and more about this one in, in the last couple days with, I guess, Monday's surprise that Cole Schwint was going down to the minors when it seemed like he'd won that fourth-line center spot. They bump Adam Ruzichka back to the fourth line to start there in the middle. I really think opportunity is going to knock sooner than later, sooner than I was anticipating, for Connor Zary. And he becomes a candidate to break out for me as soon as he gets the NHL. I don't think he's taking the league by storm. I'm not saying that. But if I look at guys that I think, hmm, you know, he has a chance to really announce his arrival. I think Connor Zary, just because of the lack of options there in the middle of the ice, could get an opportunity sooner than we think. So is Zary's your pick? Or is Weger your pick? 
Who are you, Derek Wills? Jeez. <laughs> Willsy, how do I handle this one? <laughs> I pick you both. You can say both. That's fine. There, I, there are con- no rules. After consulting with a close friend, I would like to pick both. <laughs> I think that close friend might be biased. Um, this says Backlund. I think uh, you see career numbers again out of Backlund. The C and faith in him going to take him up another level. Um, I, I think that's a great pick. I, I, I do too. I'm, I'm at the point where I think – not career numbers would surprise me with Michael Backlund. Uh, how about this one? I like this one too. Uh, breakout player, honorable mention, Walker Dewar. I could see that absolutely. Sure. I mean, heck, he was, what would he have been on pace for? Almost 21. 20, 21. Yeah. Uh, had he played 82 last year? I, I, th- I could see it. So big, hang big on. Fa- big fan of the player. So are you picking no, no, Dubé my, or Dewar? Dubé's my pick. I just was saying I like that pick on the text line as well, Walker Dewar. But that's the texter's pick. Okay. I, hey, I just apparently we were just holding each other to a certain standard here, so I just wanted to check. Who are you most intrigued by? And and I guess there's a a large definition in terms of intrigue, but who are you most intrigued by? I don't have the faintest idea what to expect from Adam Ruzichka. That's fair. I, I, the enigmatic Adam Ruzichka. You know, what a what a great opportunity to start training camp as a second liner. Looked looked great in a couple of preseason games. Looked, quite honestly, disinterested at, at other times. He, he, there was the inconsistency that has dogged Adam Ruzichka in the past. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was really interesting I saw Michael Backlund just having a, a chit-chat with him after practice yesterday, and I'd love to know what the topic of that was. You know, Adam Ruzichka shows up thinking he's going to be on the second line, and all of a sudden he's back in a, a depth role. I, I'm really curious how Adam responds. I don't know. I, I, I just don't know what to expect from him. I don't know if he's going to prove that he should be in the top six. I don't know if he's even going to prove that he should be an every-nighter. I really don't know. Nikita Zadorov okay. is mine. Contract year. Had a hat trick to end the year last year. He second straight year as a member of the Flames. He set career highs. His first year a career high in points and assists. Last year a career high with 14 goals. I think he's getting more confident in his offensive game. I think he's getting more confident in using his skating. I, I And I think that he is picking his spots better and better as well. And not going for his weird loops and not channeling Ole Jokinen uh, all the time. Um, but he's picking his spots when to do it. He's picking his spots better and even did last year on when to lead rushes. I think he's more confident putting shots on net. I think he's more confident walking the line. And as I said, contract year. He wants to stay, but he also wants to put himself in a good spot wherever he'll be next year to have a good contract. He is now 28 years old. I I think I don't know what to expect from Nikita Zadorov, but I'm really intrigued to see if he can have another year where he takes a step forward, especially in his offensive game. A, a conversation we haven't had often is the players who might actually like it might not be beneficial to change coaches. We've talked so much about about the lighter mood around the rink and, and the players who who might perform better, starting with Jonathan Huberto being free from the way Daryl Sutter ran things. 
Nikita Zadorov, I think, was a really good fit for the way Daryl Sutter wanted his team to play, for the edge he wanted them to play with. I, I think Nikita responded to the way Daryl coached. And so if we were going to make a list, and this is why it's such a great answer by you, if we were going to make a list of, of guys who maybe wouldn't benefit from the coaching change, I wonder about Nikita on Fair. that list. And, and so that, uh, that's a really good choice by you. Uh, okay, last one. Elias Lindholm is a pending unrestricted free agent. Uh, Noah Hannafin, Chris Tanev, Nikita Zadorov are kind of the big four mm-hmm. in terms of that. And that's not a knock on Shillington um, or, or Gilbert or Greer or some of the other pending UFAs, but there's now a big four with Shillington unavailable for the time being. And on LTIR, it's Lindholm the forward, it's Hannafin, Tanev, Zadorov on the back is the big four. How many of those players are with the team after the trade deadline? Oh, man, this is such a tough one. I, I that's, um, why, that's why I wanted to leave it to last. I'm going to say two. Okay. I, I think, um, you know, I, I think there's a good chance that Chris Tanev, despite how valued he is here, is, is ultimately moved because of what his value could be on the trade market. I do think that because of the lack of depth on the left side of the blue line, you're certainly trying to keep one of, of Noah Hannafin and Nikita Zadorov. And and now suddenly I, I'm swinging a little more pessimistic on Elias Lindholm just because it's not done yet. So I don't know exactly who fits where, but I'm going to say the numbers too. I will say three. I think Lindholm will sign at some point. I think they will keep Zadorov and Tanev past the deadline, and I think Hannafin will be dealt at some point between now and the trade deadline. That's my okay. that's my prediction right now. I like it. Couple of texts at nine sixty nine sixty. Coronado, the most intriguing by far, in my opinion. Have to see how much the shot plays. This says fan of Big Z for a great season. This says from Kevin and Carstairs. I believe Nikita Zadorov will have a breakout season with a more outgoing offense. Should create better opportunities. I like this one as well. Rasmus Anderson, no question. We'll see him move into the top fifteen defenseman conversation. I believe he's already there, um, but I could see that. I could see his league-wide recognize. Uh, what's the what's the correct word? His uh, his his recognizability. That's not a word, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, just the amount that people recognize him league-wide. Sure. I think will. Uh, there is a word that I'm searching for that I'm not finding it. Um, if I mean, but it, it will increase. I believe this year. If, if this team sort of clicks with the the structure they want to play defensively and with the way I expect Ryan Huska to lean on Rasmus Anderson, I think he could even end up on the fringes of the Norris Trophy conversation. And and by that, I mean right. every voter submits five votes and you kind of have a bundle of guys in that four or five range that you, you go back and forth with fellow writers about, is it this guy or this guy? I, I think a good season from Rasmus Anderson might, result in him even getting on a couple of ballots again not 
not go into the awards as a finalist or anything like that, but I really think the next step is for him to get on that radar. So we know the Heritage Classic is later this month in Edmonton at Commonwealth Stadium, and uh, on this Wednesday, the NHL has announced kind of the lead-up to that Heritage Classic, and uh, they are presenting a free two-day outdoor fan park at Edmonton's Ice District. It's the Ice District Fan Park with the WestJet NHL Fan Park. It's free, non-ticketed, it's a fan festival open to everybody. It opens on Friday, October 27th and also runs October 28th. So the two days leading up to the Heritage Classic in Edmonton, they'll have all kinds of activations just outside of Rogers Place in downtown Edmonton, all kinds of different NHL attractions. They'll have some live music. They'll have all kinds of different things, uh, fun for everybody, and uh, it really is an opportunity for you to experience whether you're going to the game, whether you're not going to the game if you're going up early you get an opportunity to uh, be a part of it uh, go check it out it goes on friday october 27th and saturday october 28th it is just outside rogers place at ice district in downtown edmonton for all of the most up-to-date schedule events appearances reminders and more go to nhl.com slash heritage classic one more time nhl.com slash heritage classic you're locked on Flames Talk, only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, time to go inside hockey on this Wednesday for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. The NHL season is officially underway. The Pacific Division has already seen uh, one game inside of it. It saw the Vegas Golden Knights beat Seattle as part of that triple header on Tuesday night to open the season. Uh, we're back for another year on Flames Talk. We're back for another year previewing and looking around the Pacific Division and uh, as always our buddy Jonathan Davis from NHL Network and NHL Network Radio will do that with us our Pacific Division insider joins us inside hockey right now hello JD how we doing I'm doing great Pat how are you I'm doing well it's uh, good to be back and getting ready for a game that means something and with players that I've heard of all of them uh, I'm looking forward to that <laughs> that is that is exciting for me. Yes, uh, I'm assuming you will be uh, at the rink tonight. I am at the rink right as we speak right now, getting ready for uh, wow. for puck drop. So yeah, we're ready to rock and roll. I'm, I'm on my way. As soon as I get done with you, I'll, I'll head down to the wonderful crypto.com for uh, what uh, what uh, what interstate will we jump jump on the I five the four hundred five? What do we do? We will be on. The, we're on the ten. Oh, we're the, on the ten for an eternity. Okay. Yeah, because at this time of day, it is a 20-minute drive will be 45 minutes. Okay. See, look at me in my L.A. Yeah. knowledge. The 10, the 405, yeah. the 5, you might as, the 101. You basically, I'm basically from L.A. Um, let's start there. Let's start with the Kings. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the Kings do not have a lot of cap space. They've got a suspension. They've got injuries. And as such, they're one of, teams that are, one of the teams that are not starting the season with a full lineup. They're going to play 6-D, dress two goalies, and just 11 forwards. How come? Well, okay, so Arthur Kelly have got suspended in the preseason for uh, a knee-on-knee hit uh, in a game against Anaheim. Victor Arvidsson, uh was disclosed yesterday, is dealing with an injury, so he is likely to miss, well, he'll miss tonight and likely to miss Saturday's game uh, as well. And so the Kings are 
You know, the only thing that they could have potentially done to escape this or being short was to put Kaliev in the minors because he is waiver eligible. And then his suspension wouldn't start until he was recalled. Um, and, you know, but the Kings, I think they just thought, let's get it over with. And they're going to be in, likely in similar situations like, you know, look, Edmonton, Vancouver, uh, other teams that are playing short tonight um, because everyone's just so tight to the cap. Yep. Um, okay, so as such, some new faces for the L.A. Kings. Uh, don't confuse this player with former number one overall pick, Alexi Lafreniere. Tell us about Alex Laferriere with the L.A. Kings. It is very confusing, absolutely. you, know, you got to do a double take. But this is a kid that uh, drafted from 2020. He was 83rd overall, played for Harvard. I mean, he's got some – definitely can score. 21 goals and 42 points. Uh, with Harvard last year. And he had some time in the preseason with, with Kevin Fiala and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, and he didn't disappoint. The Kings are very high on, on this kid. And in talking to some people who work for the team, you know, they were really impressed with his, with his, with his hockey skills in preseason. And you know, I felt that you know, this kid was going to see some time up here uh, at some point, um, you know, you, you do wonder that if he gets this opportunity, you know, look, I don't want to jump the gun on anything, but, you know, Arthur Kaliev, who's been begging for an opportunity, um, you know, to play in a top six role. You know, I, I just wonder if LaFerriere capitalizes, you know, what this does to Kaliev, who really, you know, was really hoping that this year would mm-hmm. finally be his year. Well, and the big addition for the L.A. Kings is, uh, with, with the blockbuster trade at the draft, is Pierre-Luc Dubois. He'll debut for the Kings. We'll see what he's capable of. And the good news for him is that he gets that return trip to Winnipeg out of the way pretty quickly. Yeah, so Tuesday the Kings are in Winnipeg after a couple of home games. And, uh, yeah, he will go. And the Kings get you know reunited you know with Alex Iafalo and Rasmus Kapari and Gabe Velarde. Uh, so, yeah, get get it over with if you're Dubois. Uh, you know, look, I think you know, the big thing with Los Angeles, you know, we're, we're in a copycat league, Pat. And, what, mm-hmm. you know, is and, and the L.A. Kings are trying to copy the Vegas Golden Knights down the middle. And, and that's what, you know, the idea of trading for Dubois uh, was to give them, you know, three good centers. Uh, you know, I, Dubois still has a lot to prove, but they are better down the middle with him than they were without him on this roster. He has helped. He'll he'll definitely lengthen the roster. Uh, And just uh, quickly, one more on the L.A. Kings, a uh, former fan favorite in this market, Big Save Dave. Uh, David Riddick was placed on waivers on Tuesday and has safely gone through waivers on this Wednesday. Yeah, he did go through waivers. I think I heard the problem, Pat, was is that uh, no one wanted to pay for you know all the Coca Cola that he drinks, <laughs> and so that that was that was part of the issue. Uh, no, uh, yeah, L.A. You know, you know, look, I, I think you know many of us are surprised that you know that you know no goalie got claimed yesterday, and uh, so for L.A., yeah, they were. A little, a little nervous about it because they, you know, they just they don't have help down in the minor, in the minors. You know, this, you know, Eric Portillo, a kid that they had signed out of the University of Michigan, uh, you know, will be one of the two goalies 
down in Ontario. But David Riddick, they were counting on, or, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. But for now, David Riddick was the only guy that they would have had with NHL experience uh, down in Ontario. They did have J.F. Berube in during during training camp on a PTO. But, you know, ideally, look, Riddick was brought here to be, you know, either the third goalie or, you know, getting called up. But they, they just, you know, look, they don't they don't have a lot of experience. They've got three goalies, Pat, that after this year in Riddick and Copley and Cam Talbot don't have a contract. Yep. Let's uh, switch gears to the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, one of the teams with a game already in the books. They helped kick things off on Tuesday night with that win over the Seattle Kraken and, and a pretty – I, I quite enjoyed watching that entire ceremony. Like the Vegas just does everything right. The Golden Knights know how to put on a show. They know how to do a pregame ceremony. They know how to do the in-game experience. Like they, they've done a pretty good job. So their banner raising ceremony, no surprise, they nailed that one too. Oh my God, one hundred percent. I mean, yeah, they. Everyone talk about copycat league. I mean, everybody. Oh, Pat Connor Bedard just scored. Uh oh, the uh, the first goal for Connor Bedard. It's finally a goal and an assist to open the career, eh? Yeah, plus two twenty five. That was a nice hit for anyone who took my advice today. Very nice. Um, yes. Um, so I'm sorry, Vegas. Yeah, you know that that was just spectacular. Mark Stone coming out with the Stanley Cup, spinning um, uh, this little slot God, machine. The, the slot machine, the big slot machine, and and the three, you know, coming up with three Stanley Cups. Yeah, everything is done right. And then the game itself, you know, you you see the, the big obviously the big turning point was the 5 minute major, you know, Brett Howden gets gets suspended for the hit on Tanev. Uh but Vegas being able to kill that penalty off, the goaltending from Aiden Hill, uh you know, just continued where he left off from, from the playoffs. It was you know, for Vegas that was a it was a very encouraging victory for them, you know, cuz Really, it was three to one when they took that when they had the five minute major to kill, and that game could have turned around. But you know they continue to own the Seattle Kraken. It's now what I think eight of nine I shared with you that they they've beaten the Kraken and and they handle them usually quite well. They've they've won seven of those eight by at least two goals, and so uh, yeah they've they've absolutely dominated this team. But that that was a that was a, an impressive win for Vegas, and they did it you know without Alec Martinez, without Zach Whitecloud. Two, two of their starting six defensemen. So, you know, they, they look, at least for one night, they look like the defending Stanley Cup champion. And at least for one night, Aiden Hill looked like the guy who won the Stanley Cup between the pipes, eh? Yeah. And now Logan Thompson's, you know, Pete, uh, Bruce Cassidy said that Logan Thompson will get the start in San Jose for game two. And I think, you know, you, you, know, you want to keep everybody fresh right now. So, I don't think it's, you know, nothing to read too deep into by any stretch of the imagination. This is, I think this is a really big year for Logan Thompson. Cause I, I think that from Vegas's standpoint, I think that there's some growth that they would like to see from Thompson, not just from a, a playing standpoint, but just from, uh, you know, just everything off the ice that goes into getting ready to be a goalie. And, and, and I think trying to accept the fact that to a point right now, he is, he's one beat. And that's yeah. a hard pill to swallow, but they've made a commitment for now, you know, to Aiden Hill, and so we'll, we'll see. But uh, yeah, it was it was a nice, definitely a nice start for for the Golden Knights and Aiden Hill last night. 
We're chatting with Jonathan Davis. He is our Pacific Division insider from NHL Network and NHL Network Radio, joining us here inside hockey on this Wednesday edition of Flames Talk. Let's move to Edmonton as the Oilers are giving the opening night start Wednesday night to Jack Campbell and not Stuart mm-hmm. Skinner. Yeah, I mean, look, Jack Campbell, I mean, what, what a you know a great preseason. And again, it's preseason. Yep. It's hard to read into it but you know you can't argue with a goals against average of what 0.99 and a safe percentage well over nine and you know he did he did a lot of the right things and i think for jack the big question has always been between the years you know his time in toronto especially he was so hard on himself uh, after games and i think you know that's one of the things that you know when you talk to people at edmonton one of the things that he's worked he worked on in the summer was just the mental side of the game and it's I'm 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 really curious to see how the goaltending conversation continues in Edmonton, an Oilers team that uh, has gotten off to good starts the last couple of years. Uh, they've had really good starts the last two years that have kind of propelled them through the season. And when you take a look at the first few games they have on their schedule, they they've got themselves some winnable games there. At least when you look at how teams did last year. Yeah, I mean, they've got back-to-back with Vancouver, and then it's Nashville and Philadelphia. I mean, so, you know, their first four games against teams that haven't, you know, did not make the playoffs last year. And, you know, look, watching Nashville uh, yesterday, I mean, you know, I don't know if it was, you know, the first period in that Nashville-Tampa game, that was was some pretty ugly hockey from the Predators. It it looks like a roster that's going to be challenged. So for Edmonton, you know, know, we've had starts of 9-1 and 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 7-3, in their last two years, you know, you've got an opportunity to bank. You know, I think, I think if you're Edmonton, you really, you can't have anything less than six points coming out of these first four games. Uh, and, and it's not that you're, you know, you're winning the division, uh, you know, here in October, but I think, you know, what we've seen, every, everyone's just so bunched up that you've got, you've got to bank the points that are so, that are so critical, you know, the, 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 the gimme, you know, the quote unquote gimme games. And the other thing for Edmonton, I mean, you know, uh, Bob Stoffer, I think it was, had uh, tweeted out or Jack Michaels earlier in the week had just, you know, reminded us of Edmonton's dominance uh, in the division uh, recently. I mean, it's some pretty gaudy numbers. They're what they're 40, 11 and one versus division opponents the last two regular seasons. And they're 14, 0 and one in their last 15. Um, so they've done a really good job of taking care of business against the Pacific. Uh, and let's finish uh, with the team they'll play to open the season. That's the Vancouver Canucks. And on Wednesday night, they'll do a little uh, ceremony for their new captain, Quinn Hughes. Yeah. Uh, you know, look, this is the beginning of a new era in, in Vancouver. Quinn Hughes, the captain. You know, Rick Tockett, his full, first full year behind the bench, and there's still – you know, you get past that, and there's still a lot of questions, you know, with the Canucks. You know, what's going to happen with Connor Garland? You know, just hired himself. He just hired Judd Moldaver, who, you know, represents Austin Matthews and then absorbed uh, Connor McDavid as Jeff Jackson took over, you know, his original agent took over with the Edmonton Oilers. And, you know, so he's, he's going to try to help facilitate a deal for Garland uh, what happens with, with, with Elias Pettersson? And yep. really the big thing, as we've talked about, Pat, is, you know, can, can they find a way, enough ways to, you know, to keep the puck out of the net? I, I think, you know, I, I've heard Elliot talk about the fact that he's, he's banking on Thatcher Demko for the Vesna this year. I, 
I mean, I, I just don't. I just don't. I, it's just too tough with that blue line. I, I would think. But um, yeah, I think they're going to be better, don't you? I mean, I think they're going to take points away. I just don't know if it's enough points, you know, to find themselves, you know, as one of the five playoff teams or one of the eight playoff teams in the West. The uh, and they're in they're in some cap issues as well. Hey, they've got that uh, they've got that eleven yeah. six situation to figure out too. Right, because no Teddy Bluger tonight, and be, and they don't they don't have the ability to add somebody because of their cap space, and that's you know I think that's part of the reason that they'd like to try to find a way to move Connor Garland and just you know free up some dollars. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it's really tight. Now here's something I, I don't know, Pat. I was talking with some people today. I kind of think that. You know, I would wish that, that that you weren't allowed, like, teams, if they play short for one game, you get to recall a player, you know, at a minimum salary. And I'm, I don't know the rules 100%, but I know you, you can recall somebody to get your, you know, if you play short for a game, you get to recall somebody for the next game. I, I don't really like that. Yeah. I think, you know what, you, you made your bed. You know what's you know uh, I don't know. You think you made your bed? You got to deal with it. You shouldn't. You shouldn't get the emergency recall. Is what you're thinking? I I don't think so. I really don't. I I think that yeah. I, I really I think that you you know this is the this is what you did. You decide. You know you you only got so many dollars to spend. You know maybe if if you've got a situation where you've got I don't know four players injured. But look, the L.A. Kings have you know a player that's been suspended, and they do have a guy that's hurt. But, you know, look, they decided to spend their money right up to the cap and didn't give them any cushion. And so, I don't know. I wouldn't mind seeing something where, yeah, you, you don't get that emergency recall. Would definitely, uh, it would definitely make for some interesting-looking lineups uh, as we get into March <laughs> and April. That's for, that's for sure. Uh, good stuff, J.D. We'll do it again next week. Uh, enjoy the uh, rest of the first week of the season, hey? Yeah, enjoy yourself tonight. Should be uh, should be a lot of fun. Should indeed. Thanks, JD. We'll talk soon. All right, take care. That is Jonathan Davis. He's our Pacific Division Insider, NHL Network, NHL Network Radio. Joins us inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Hello, fans. Calgary Co-op has refreshed its membership just for you. Now you can shop, save, and win with the new Calgary Co-op app. Download on the Apple Store and Google Play Store. That'll wrap us up this hour on Flames Talk. Wes Gilbertson is on Twitter, at Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. We've got uh, Flames warm-up a little bit later on on this Wednesday as as well that'll wrap us up on our flames talk hour this hour this hour has been the sports drive brought to you by calgary lock and safe save 450 dollars on the braun ev 5922 gun safe now just 1450 or explore the full line of safes at calgarylockandsafe.com